Good morning, Gator Nation. Welcome back to the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter at All Kinds Weather, on Instagram at All Kinds Weather Blog, on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. My co-host, Dustin Smith, is back with me today. You can follow him on Twitter at I-A-K-O-W Dustin. Other co-host, Chris Yanes, who, by the way, shout out for a fantastic Twitter space last night with Gator Collective. He is with us as well at Mr. Chris Bits on Twitter. Got a lot to talk about today. Trying to push out three podcasts in one week, most recent of which we got to know a little bit more about the two amazing, amazing kids that the Gator Good Foundation is going to be bringing to the Missouri game this Saturday. Of course, the Gator Good Foundation is our proud partner, the nonprofit organization that sends underprivileged Gator fans to the swamp. The Gator Good Foundation collects donations from fans and uses them to bring someone to their first ever Florida Gator football game, all expenses paid. Obviously, our campaign is pretty much taken care of for this year. But if you believe that you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for next year, please email us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. As always, donations are very much appreciated. To donate to our cause, please go to our website, GatorGoodFoundation.com, and click on the Donate button. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One is it is a veteran-owned business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. Two, it's run by a UF alum and diehard Gator fan. Number three, they've got the personal stamp of approval from in all kinds of weather because they did our new logo, our new website. They did the new Gator Collective logo, the new Gator Collective website, and they did the Gator Good Foundation website, and they do the marketing for the Charleston Gator Club. So if you are a listener of this podcast and you need help in any of the aforementioned categories, rest assured they will more than take care of you. To learn more about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. And with that taken care of, Dustin, Chris, y'all know the drill. It is Florida, Missouri week. This is the team that kind of kicked Dan Mullen out the door last year. Missouri beating Florida in overtime on a two-point conversion last year. We know what happened after. Mullen got fired. Eli Drinkwitz with the sort of slam dunk to punctuate the end of his tenure with the may the force be with you joke, lightsaber, hood and all. Florida and Missouri don't really like each other. That's pretty much well established. Now, what may not be so quite as much established is the fact that Missouri has two really good running backs. I think that's as good a place as any to start with our analysis in Nathaniel Pete and Cody Schrader. These are two running backs that Georgia struggled to tackle. So I think our analysis should pretty much start there. Guys, first of all, I've been talking long enough, but hello, welcome back. And uh, I mean, what do you think of this of this matchup of, of Florida's struggling rush defense versus Schrader and Pete? It's, it's definitely going to be a test for, for our defense. They have not shown an ability yet to stop the run at all this season. They, you know, against 
Eastern Washington gave up over 200 yards on the ground. And, our, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about it at nauseum. Our linebacker core just isn't quite there yet. We're starting to see a little bit of improvement from guys like um, Shamar James, Scooby Williams. Obviously, Ventral Riller is a mainstay, and, we, and we're glad to have him healthy again. And he has played very well. He played very well in that Tennessee game. But we're going to need a, a big effort for them to, to really stop this run and force them to throw the ball on us in this game in order to win. Otherwise, if they ground it on us, they're going to limit our ability to get our keep our offense on the field. And because I do think our offense will have some success moving the ball against them. Uh, but, you know, they put a lot of good things on tape against Georgia. I mean, they kept Georgia uh, from leading that game until the last five minutes. Now, granted, it was at home. They had a home field advantage. They had that crowd, the night game atmosphere. It was all there for them. But Florida's going to have to get up for this game if they are going to um, win. Because Missouri, in some areas, does play very similarly, both on offense and defense, especially in the run game, to Kentucky, who, you know, I don't think we need to, to rehash that. We struggled, have struggled against Kentucky in recent years. We've struggled against Missouri in recent years, similar playing styles. So it's going to be a big test for the defense. Yeah, I mean, defense is definitely my primary concern with this team, especially with uh... – with how Anthony Richardson's been performing on offense, I believe that as long as our defense can play serviceably, I think we'll be okay. Um, now, our front seven has to show up. Our, our linebackers have to play uh, gap sound. I really like what Ventral Miller has been doing. I'm certainly happy to have him back. Um, but we, we have to step it up in terms of stopping the run. And my big concern is, Neil, you mentioned the two running backs. Um, I mean, we were giving up rushing yards to Eastern Washington. We have to play better defensively against these two running backs if we're going to play the game that we hope for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fair point uh, that, that Chris mentioned comparing Missouri to Kentucky. I don't know that Missouri – is necessarily pound for pound as disciplined as Kentucky is. I think Kentucky for, for all the physical strength and just like the, the nasty street fighterness, I keep calling them a street fighter of a program. Cause that's kind of what I think they are. I think that Kentucky though, for that street fighter mentality is more disciplined than Missouri is. So they're maybe a little bit more fundamentally sound, whereas Missouri kind of gets a little bit more rogue, a little bit more freelancing, a little bit looser, with, with some of their fundamentals, but the physicality comparison there is definitely a good one. And I want to see if, if Florida's offensive line is, is or if Florida's defensive line, sorry, is up for the challenge against a, a Missouri front. That's going to be ready to go. Missouri. I mean, they, they have the same inferiority complex with Florida that they do for Georgia. So I imagine that, yes, they're probably tired. Yes. They probably spent a lot of bullets metaphorically speaking against Georgia last week, I don't think they're going to come in and just roll over and play dead. I mean, I, I talked about this earlier. Um, mentioned this in passing with, with Bennett and Alec on the show that Nathaniel Pete, his father is a professional bodybuilder and his son takes right after him. So that's not going to be easy. Florida can't just come with arms or they can't just aim for the, the spot between the numbers on the chest of the Jersey and expect to knock the guy out. Like major Wright did that one time against Oklahoma. No, you got to be fundamentally tiny. You got to come and, and wrap up. You got to come and you know, use a sideline when necessary as an extra defender. 
you, you have to be fundamentally sound and gap sound as Dustin was talking about, or else we're going to give up 500 yards on the ground because that's all Missouri is going to do it until we prove that we can stop it. So, um, I mean, with that said, let's talk about the other aspects of Missouri's offense, their passing game. It's not dynamic. I would say, I mean, Brady cook has not thrown for 300 yards in a single game this season, including against Abilene Christian. He threw for, I think, 297 against them. So he's not lighting up the scoreboard, but when he has to make plays, he is making them at least enough of the time that Missouri is not losing games because of him, and, and they're staying in games because of him at other times. So, I mean, Florida's secondary, we, we think, is is going to be a, the strength of this defense. But, I mean, guys, do, do we trust Florida's secondary to, to shut this passing game down or is this going to be a game where maybe we get a little cute and, and bust more assignments like we did against Tennessee? I'm looking for, this is an opportunity I think for our pass rush to start flexing their muscles. We've faced a lot of quarterbacks this year that can run the football, that can get out of the pocket. Brady Cook is not that quarterback. He is a guy that's going to stand in the pocket. He's going to survey the field and he's going to try to throw the football down the field. So I think this is an opportunity for our pass rush to really, um, you know, start to get in the backfield a little bit, you know, get guys like Gervon Dexter finally playing well, get, you know, Brent Cox a couple of sacks, see if guys like Justin Boone can continue to get to the quarterback. I'm kind of looking for that as an opportunity to really have the, the, the pass rush start to showcase what they can do. I trust our secondary enough to hold these receivers. You know, Luther Burden, a five-star receiver, top 10 player overall in the country that came out of high school last year, has not flashed a whole lot yet on tape. So I still think he's kind of a work in progress at the college level and transitioning from the high school game. But I do believe this is a good opportunity for this defensive line to make some plays and get to the quarterback. I think this is a chance for us to have the highest sack total yet this season. Yeah, I think, Chris, I think you make a good point. I think the pass rush is going to be the great equalizer. While Cook hasn't really uh, thrown for a ton of yards, if Missouri is going to have any chance at winning the game, they have to have a, a balanced attack. I think if they just run the ball, um, I don't think that that would be enough. And I think if they just pass the ball, I also don't think that would be enough. Um, so we got to – we got to have that pass rush because if we don't, we're going to be in for a long night or actually I should say a long afternoon because it's a noon kickoff. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to even think what happens if, if Brady cook is throwing the ball over the field. I mean, y'all mentioned the pass rush and it's a legitimate point. I do wish Florida could generate something of a pass rush. I, I would like to see justice Boone have a nice day there. I'm just worried that our secondary is, for whatever reason, I don't know if they miss an assignment or if they think that someone else is supposed to be in coverage. I mean, maybe maybe Kamari Wilson thinks that someone else has the hook when he's supposed to have the hook, and therefore there's a guy going free for 40 yards. So this is not the kind of game where you can afford to do that. I mean, no game really is because you're going to lose any game that you do that. But that's how Missouri wins this game to me. Like, I don't see even, – even if they do run the ball for – 500 yards like i said they won't but let's say it's 300 yards i still think florida's offensive line can create enough push that they can they, they can outground and pound them if our secondary busts assignments and we bust coverages florida loses the game so i would really like to see a full 60 minutes of no completely 
busted assignments in the secondary. And I think Florida will be okay. The pass rush, of course, would just be a nice bonus, but that's really what I'm looking to see from this pass defense. So let's go to the other side of the ball. Now let's talk about when Florida is on offense. And that just sort of briefly touched on Florida's offensive line. Been the, one of the strengths of this team for sure this season. Um, you know, Osiris Torrance has gotten a lot of the ink since he came over from Louisiana. He has done nothing to discourage that ink to continue to be written about him. He has done phenomenally well, but it's other guys around him. I mean, like when Mark, when Michael Tarquin goes down and Austin Barber has to step into the role, he's done great. Ethan White has done great. Richard Garage, as we talked about, he's done more than just produce one unforgettable gift. He has played very well. So Florida's offensive line has a defense in front of them that I think we're going to be looking to just establish its will against and, and dominate them. So guys, what do we think of Florida's chances to actually do that against Missouri? I mean, I think that they, they have the ability to certainly do it. I mean, the Anthony Richardson put a lot of great things on tape the last two weeks, and I'm looking for him to show that consistency now of putting it together through the course of the season and not take, not regress, not take a step back. I do think Missouri's defense can pose some problems for Florida. You know, like I said, that they may not be, and like you mentioned, Neil, they may not be as talented. They may not be as disciplined as what Kentucky was, but it is a similar defensive style. And I'm not going to forget, you mentioned it, Tyron Hopper is a problem on that defense. He's a guy that I think everybody here wishes was on our football team still, because I think some of our linebacker woes would not be as prevalent as they are now without him. So, and he's the type of guy who practiced for years with Anthony Richardson. He knows a lot of his tendencies as a, as a quarterback, he's going to be able to spy him. He spies Stetson Bennett. He has spied other running quarterbacks throughout the season. And this, this game plan I suspect is not going to be any different for Missouri. So Florida is going to have to find a way. I think that to, for us to succeed, I do think we might have to show that we're going to have to be, we're going to be able to throw the ball down the field before we're able to start popping those big runs that we have in some of the other games. Uh, Georgia struggled to run the ball against Missouri at times. So, and Georgia's a pretty, it has a solid offensive line that's stable of great running backs and they struggled to run the football against them. So I think Florida's going to have to show that they have a downfield passing attack a little bit in this game up front in order to move the football and then opening the, 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 the run game. We talked about, how this offense sometimes is a pass to set up the run. So I think that's something to look for this Saturday. Yeah. I mean, for me, it all comes down to Anthony Richardson. What, which Anthony Richardson is going to show up? Are we going to get the Anthony Richardson that played against Tennessee where he nearly blew the doors off? If it wasn't for that uh, late, interception on a on an attempt to uh, be heroic um i think that would have been you know an all-time best for for a quarterback we probably would have came out with a win in that game or do we get the anthony richardson god forbid that played against kentucky we just don't know now my hunch is he's going to be somewhere in the middle probably going to go uh, 17 for 24 or 17 for 27 for 300 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, something like that. We, we need to see Anthony Richardson step up. We need to see him make his reads. He, he can't second guess himself. He has to go through what he's been coached to do. And if he does that, I think we'll be okay. 
But if he gets in his head, like he's gotten against Kentucky, like he got against USF, then I think that I think it'll be very difficult for the Gators to to pull out the victory. I think it all comes down to Richardson. Well, I mean, if he plays the way he did against Kentucky and South Florida, then Florida's going to lose because Richardson did what he could to give those games away. So that, that's a pretty low bar. I, I think it's – I don't know if it's safe to assume. I would hope it would be a safe assumption that we have seen the worst of Anthony Richardson that he's capable of playing. I don't think he'll play that badly again. I do wonder, though, what happens if he throws an early interception or if he gets hit again late. Like he said, against Kentucky, he had – what he called an injury scare that got in his head and messed in the rest of the way. I wonder how the rest of the game plays out if that does happen to him against Missouri, who does have a history of putting late hits on quarterbacks, of maybe getting a little dirty. Uh, you know, the the shot the trade on Jeff Coat put on Kyle Trask, and he's still there. Uh, started off started that brawl in 2020. So, you know, I, I wonder exactly how the rest of the game transpires if Richardson gets dinged up or something gets into his head or something. But all things considered, I think Florida's offense just has too much firepower around Richardson, even though we know that our receiving game is somewhat limited. I think that there's still enough firepower to say that we have too much for Missouri to be able to reasonably stop. At least, at least I hope we do uh, that Richardson can just utilize the guys around him and, and enough to make sure that Florida does what they have to do with the ball. So not too worried about that. Um, guys, I want to ask it this way. I've been thinking about how to how to phrase this, but what do you think is the key to a Missouri upset? Because I've I've listed what I think like Florida loses the game if they bust in the second. If Florida loses the game if Richardson plays like he did against South Florida, Kentucky. What do you guys think is is the path to Missouri pulling off this shocker? I think if Anthony Richardson's having a bad game, turns the ball over, and and then if Missouri is just having – if they keep the ball out of our hands. I mean, I think this is the type of game where if Florida doesn't at least come close to even, even in time of possession, Eastern Washington was a different story because we were just a high-powered offensive attack. and We were scoring almost on every – it seemed like almost every play at times. But – Missouri is a team that can ground and pound the ball, keep the ball out of our offense's hands and limit our opportunities. So for Missouri, I think for, I think they need to shorten the game, hold the football, run the football effectively, take their shots when they come. But I think this is a thing where if we're turning the ball over and they're having success running the football, it's going to play out extremely similar to how the Kentucky game played out. So I think that and, and this line, I mean, it's it's up to a 11 now. It's moved another point in our favor, started at 10. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little I'm, I'm not saying I'm worried maybe we don't cover, but I do think that it's it's a little weird. It, it's got an eerie feeling about like, that might be a little high for this game. I don't know why, but that's just a feeling. Yeah, Josh Pate of the Late Kick podcast has a stat that he calls the padlock stat. And so what does that mean? That means if if I was to transport you to a different universe and you came back and all you had to go off of in terms of the outcome of that game was these stats, that you would be able to, to determine the outcome to nearly 100% of the time. And for this game, the, padlock, the two padlock stats that I'm going to come up with, number one, rushing yards. 
if Missouri is able to have over 250 rushing yards, I think they win the game. And the second padlock stat is going to be turnovers. If the turnover ratio is more than three or three or more in favor of Missouri, I think they win the game. Agreed. Yeah, that's probably true. Can't turn the ball over against the team you're favored by against double digits. So with that said, let's get to the verdict, guys. We're talking about a team that Florida has a weird history against. They, Florida and Missouri just sort of take turns walloping each other for eight quarters at a time. You go back to 2012, that game was close. But then 13-14, Missouri kills Florida. 15-16, Florida kills Missouri. 17-18, Missouri kills Florida. 19-20, Florida kills Missouri. The Pattern sort of shifts a little bit last year with an overtime game, just a just a strange game from start to finish. I don't know that history necessarily guarantees anything, but I do think that those who fail to remember history are doomed to repeat it. And with that said, guys, this would be the second game that Missouri beats Florida because the two teams always go in twos. And in some of them, Florida has been favored. They were favored in that horrible game in 2014, where Jeff Driscoll turned the ball over left and right. They were favored in 2018 when they scored first, they went up three, nothing. And then Missouri just blows them out of the water from that point on. So being favored at home against Missouri has not historically meant anything. So with that said, let's get to our verdict. We'll start with our, Key to the game, we just talked about how Florida loses the game, but we'll we'll flip that and ask it this way. How does Florida win to the game? What is the key to a Gator victory against Missouri? I, I think that the key for Florida is to limit mistakes. You know, we've done very good thus far this season in limiting penalties. We need to continue to do that. Like Dustin said, we need to remain very low in the turnover ratio. Not to say we can't turn the ball over. We would love for that not to happen. We can't get it, let it get out of hand. We can't have to see the Aaron throws from Anthony Richardson. We can't put the football on the ground, which we've done a very good job of not doing this year outside of uh, the two against Utah early. But Florida has to limit mistakes. If they limit mistakes and don't beat themselves, I think Florida covers this game. I think they win this game. It's when they make the mistakes and give the ball back to Missouri and Missouri is able to ground that clock out. Like I think they're going to want to do in this game. And that's what's going to lead um, – that would lead to, to, to a bad outcome. So for Florida, it's just to limit the mistakes and play their game. Let the game come to them. I feel like it's, it's the answer that I give almost every week, but it's turnovers. Florida has to not turn over the ball. Richardson has to be efficient throwing the ball. Florida loves to run. But just as I said, if Missouri – gets 250 yards on the ground, they win. I think if Florida gets 250 yards on the ground, I think they win. Florida has to – they have to dominate the game on the line of scrimmage on the offense. We know that defense might be a concern on the line of scrimmage, but we know that our offensive line is up to the task. They have to live up to that in order to be successful. So my key is a little bit simpler, and that is just don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over because I I expect that Florida will have trouble tackling Nathaniel Pete. 
and Cody Schrader. I expect that that's just going to be something that's going to suck. It's just going to be difficult to watch. We're going to be frustrated. It's just going to happen. And I also suspect that Florida's secondary will bust a coverage at some point in the game that leads to a big Missouri play. I don't think it happens feverishly. I don't think it happens repeatedly throughout the game. So I don't think that that's going to lose the game for Florida the way that I said it it could if they keep busting coverages. But if Florida doesn't turn the ball over, they don't give Missouri short fields, they don't ruin their own scoring drives and get nothing out of you know with a three or four or five first down drive, I like Florida's chances to win significantly better than I do without knowing that piece of information. Because if you give if you give Nathaniel Pete and Cody Schrader the ball inside Florida's 20, they're gonna score touchdowns. They're they're not gonna wind up kicking field goals. They will score. Given given where this rush defense is and where, what those two guys are as runners, they're going to score touchdowns. So don't do that. Don't give them short fields. Make sure that every drive ends in the kick, as uh, Urban Meyer used to say, a punt, field goal, or an extra point. Just make sure that they don't get these short fields that they can score off of in three or four plays, and I think Florida will be fine. So percent chance that we think Florida has to win the game. What have we got? So going into the year, I'm pretty sure I had this in the mid to- mid seventies or so I'll stick with that. I think Florida has a 72% chance of winning this game and where that almost that basically that one in four chance comes from is in the scenario where the padlock stack that Dustin referred to is that Missouri just runs all over us and we turn the ball over a lot. The turnover ratio is out of whack. So that's that one in four chance. The other three and four chance is the fact that Florida just plays their game, they execute on offense, they may hit those big plays like they've started to against the you know the likes of Tennessee and last week Eastern Washington. And and you know what? We went to Rocky Top and almost beat uh, a top 10 team. And we're going to be playing at home in front of our crowd. I expect this crowd to be a little more lively than it was this past weekend. And even though it is a numer, I think people will show up and show out and we'll, we'll get the crowd into it. So I think all that said, I, I think Florida has a 72% chance of winning. Yeah, since I have the floor, Neil, do you want to mention the bet that we have going? Oh, this would yes. be game one. This is as good a time as any. So after Kentucky, let's put give a little backstory. After the Kentucky game, I I maintained Florida's going eight and four this year, as I predicted earlier in the season. But now, after seeing the way Richardson played, I am going on record and and betting that Florida is going to lose one of Missouri, LSU, or South Carolina at home because I I don't I didn't trust Richardson at the time to string together enough consistent performances that I could say, okay, that was just an anomaly. That was just a bad performance. That because because that one game was so bad that I just thought he's gonna do it again. It's gonna happen again at some point. Now, the last two games have been good. Last two games he's played, you know, fine. But now the defense is a problem, which at that point was not the case. The defense had done well against Utah and Kentucky. It wasn't the reason we lost that Kentucky game. So now we have a new problem after I'd already made that prediction, which I wasn't even a prediction. I went on, on record and said, I guarantee you Florida's going to lose one of those three games. So the bet is if Florida loses any of those three games, or the, you know, if they lose one or more of those games, Dustin owes me – $15 worth of food at Miller's Ale House. If Florida wins all three, I owe Dustin up to $45 worth of food at Spurrier's. And I'm sure he's going to milk me for every freaking cent of it because that's just who he is. <laughs> but you know that's it. the bet. So I don't think 
it will be this one. Uh, wait, Dustin, did you give your percentage yet? Yeah, let me get let me give that. So just just to give context, I I think I think the bet is is less assured from my standpoint now that the defense is playing a little more poorly, but it it's three home games. Florida should win all three games. So listening audience, if you're with me, cheer me on because if you're cheering me on, you're also cheering the Gators on. Um, and I, I indeed believe that Florida has an above 50% chance of beating all those teams, especially since it's at home. And we'll start with this one against Missouri. I give Florida a 75% chance to win this game versus Missouri. Okay. Yeah. So like I said, I do think that Florida is more than capable of winning any one of those three games in isolation. I do not think they win each of the three games. I think the most likely outcome is two and one in those three specific games. I, like I said, I don't think it'll be this one. I give Florida a 70% chance to win. It's by no means a guarantee. I would be, I would not be shocked if Florida lost this game, but I would, I would be mildly surprised because Florida does have a nasty offensive line. They do have a deep stable of running backs that can just punish Missouri all game long. Missouri does have Tyron Hopper, and he's probably now their best player. And on the other side of the ball, Florida's defense is going to have its hands full with Pete and Schrader. I am not looking forward to seeing us try to tackle those two guys, but I just think pound for pound, Florida is the better team. And I think that they're going to be motivated to show that they're, they're the better team, unlike South Florida. Um, or even Kentucky. I, I think Florida's better than Kentucky. They just didn't show it that night. But I think Florida will, will be motivated and ready to go to war against this Missouri team. So I'll say 70%. I want to make a point, too, just kind of in this discussion. I don't think we've talked about it yet, is that this was the game that got Dan Long fired last year. I mean, I think the, the writing was already on the wall. It was, it's probably inevitable at that point. But this was the last game those players remember of him. And I think any time that happens, you know, I'm sure the players overall are ecstatic. Billy Napier is there now, but that was the game that we last saw Dan Mullen. And we only lost by one point on, a, on an overtime two point conversion that honestly could have failed easily. So I, I think that this team will be a little bit motivated just kind of given how it ended last year and in the circumstances of it. So the uh, Billy Napier era hopefully ushers in a, a change with Missouri. Well, I don't know that the players miss him that much. I mean, you remember in the week of his firing, you had guys like Jervon Dexter going on and saying, damn, that boy unfollowed me. Who? Mullen. I didn't know it was like that. That was uh, Brenton Cox. I didn't know it was like that. So I don't know that, that they necessarily still have the same feelings of love for him that they, they once did, but <laughs> I don't know that I'm saying like they have feelings of love for him and that's why they're motivated. I just saying that like that was the end of an era, you know, and, and I think that it, turning the page to this season as we start a new one, that they can remember that moment in time and show how far that the program has come in the last several months, almost 10 months now. So I, I'd like to see this as sort of a rallying cry moving forward in, in the new era. I think that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, no, that makes sense. A rallying cry is, oh, hey, last year was unacceptable, and, and that game was the game that that accentuated that that season. Um, 
I mean, look, Mullen did a lot of great things for Florida. I'll defend it to the death that he was the right hire to replace Jim McElwain. And he looked like the right guy for 2.75 years going up until that, that LSU game where Marco Wilson chose to be a moron, but he was the right hire and he looked the part for the better part of three seasons. He just then subsequently lost the drive that made him the right fit in the first place, but he did lead. He, well, he also he lead. He helped Florida to two national championships. He had a hand in those titles. He was calling the plays on the offense for those two national titles. And he did give us a great ride for three years. So it was the end of an era in that sense. And I do think that fans, as disappointed as we may be for stuff like not giving Damian Pierce more than nine carries in a single game last year, I do think fans should at least want some semblance of payback against them, especially after what Eli Drinkwitz did in the post-game press conference with that that lightsaber and made the force be with you and all that. Uh, didn't really sit well uh, with, with some fans, myself included, and it shouldn't sit well with any fan, even those who are happy that we have Napier in charge. So with that said, score predictions, what have we got, guys? So my score prediction is I, I've gone back and forth. I don't think Florida covers. I think this game is a little bit of a nail biter in the fourth quarter, whereas maybe they had an opportunity to cover, but they don't. So I'm going to say Florida 31, Missouri 24. I think that's a good score prediction, Chris. I'm going to have to go with something quite similar. I'm going to go Florida 34, Missouri 27. Okay, and I'm going to say the score – I'm going to say that neither team covers. I'm going to say Florida 31, Missouri 20. I think it's going to be a frightening game. I think Missouri scores first or at least has a lead at some point in the first quarter, maybe 7-3 or 10-7 or 14-7 or something like that. And I think that going into halftime, this game is all but secured. I think Florida fans are going to be biting their nails a bit for part of the third quarter, but – I think by the fourth quarter, the natural talent disparity will take its toll. Florida does have the better athletes for as, as much grief as we all want to give Dan Mullen for not recruiting at the level he's supposed to recruit at, at the University of Florida. Florida does still have a distinct talent advantage over Missouri. And I think we will see that play out and the Gators will pull away in the end. Maybe they'll come back from a deficit. Maybe it'll be 20 to 17 or so. And Florida scores two touchdowns in the last eight minutes or so to make it look a little bit prettier. But I think Florida does eventually get the win, but guys, we we might be in for a bumpy ride. This, I mean, again, Nathaniel Pete and Cody Schrader are going to be problems for this defense to stop. I'm terrified of of the prospect of watching our, our defense try to tackle those guys. So I do think Florida wins. We all agree on that. Florida would be four and two with the win and it would do them a great deal of good to be four and two heading into LSU, which we now know is a primetime game next week. You win that you're five and two heading into Georgia. And if you pull the stunner in Jacksonville, well, now you have a whole new lease on life, but we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. Big game this Saturday. It is the Gator good foundation game. Can't wait to see those guys have the time of their lives. Dustin, I know you'll be there. Chris, you'll also be there. We'll all be in different parts of the stadium. Dustin, I hope I'm wrong, man. I, I'm i more than happy to, to sit there and watch you just go to town on Spurrier's food. I would love nothing more than see that happen. But, you know, yeah, it, you it know, starts the, here. It starts here. You, you know, and I think, like, winning this game is so important because we now know that we have a 7 o'clock kickoff against LSU next week. 
I'm personally rooting for LSU to beat Tennessee this weekend because I want LSU top 20 prime time in the swamp opportunity for Florida to make a statement win next week. So Dustin then only needs South Carolina to lose to us to, to win that bet. Um, but I, I, I just think of all a lot of great home primetime games against LSU over the years. And what would make it better is if LSU is a securely ranked team, a team that's on a five game win streak. And then for us to go in uh, with a little bit more, you know, error in our sales, having come off two straight wins, four and two, just a game behind LSU. I think it would make for a fantastic sold out crowd on Tom Petty day at that. Well, first of all, we know LSU band is just going to play right over our Tom Petty tribute. Second of all, we also know that just because we played LSU at night before and the crowd has been hyped doesn't mean we're going to win that game. 2010, sure. 2014, 2020. You want to go back to 2004. We lost that one. Uh, 2002, that was another night game. We lost that one. So in 2008, we won, but uh, 10, 14, well, and 20 were just some of the worst memories as Gator fans. Sounds like we're due for a night win versus LSU at home. That's what it sounds like to me. You think yeah, so, I, right? Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. We have to show out and show up against Missouri. That LSU game has to be – it has to be huge. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what the scenario would have to be, but wouldn't it be amazing if both Florida and LSU were in the top 25 for that matchup? I think Florida would have to sneak in right at 25. They'd have to probably destroy Missouri for that to even be mm-hmm. uh, possible. But it's not outside the realm of possibilities. No, we'll it's not. We just – we just got to take care of business first, one game at a time. Got to beat Missouri. And, uh, I mean, that's the theme the rest of the season, right? I mean, every game you win from here on out makes the next game even bigger. And that's yep. that's really all there is to play for. Just keep giving yourself the opportunity to play in bigger and bigger games. And I think, too, at this stage in the program, every win is something to be celebrated because it's a building block for the future. You know, we, we said that our expectation here is around that eight and four mark. And if we did accomplish that this year, that would be a successful season in my mind, especially depending on where we finish in recruiting. But I think every win is a, is a big deal. So if we beat Missouri this Saturday, let's celebrate it as something that we didn't do last year. And we struggled to do consistently in the last decade since Missouri joined the SEC. So, you know, let's get it. Let's get after it. Let's And then let's set up a, a fantastic primetime game the following weekend in the swamp. Sounds like a plan to me. All right, y'all. That'll pretty much do it for this episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. You enjoyed this episode. Please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes. Definitely would appreciate that. I definitely appreciate the opportunity to pay for $45 worth of Dustin's food at Spurrier's, and it starts this weekend against Missouri. So, Dustin, Good luck to you. I'm rooting for myself to be wrong, uh, but it starts this weekend against Missouri. Hopefully we can at the very least get one dose of payback against them for what happened uh, last year and 2020. I still don't feel like the score was settled from that, that trade John Jeff coat hit on Kyle Trask. So I'd like to blow them out uh, and just embarrass them on on national TV. But until then y'all stay safe, stay healthy. See y'all in the swamp. Go Gators. Go Gators. Gators.